obsessed with all things ovine, there is seriously something about sheep and always something new to learn about keeping, breeding and farming them. Welcome to the Sheep Show podcast. I'm Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm and Sheep Stud and your host. The Sheep Show podcast exists to help you no matter where you are in the world, what sheep you breed, what size your flock is. This podcast will help your sheep knowledge and your shepherding confidence grow. And it's a two-way street. I love to hear from you and find out how your sheep journey is going. Contact me via Instagram at Halston Valley Farm or via email jill at halstonvalleyfarm.com.au. Come along on this episode as we explore the amazing world of sheep and sheep farming together. So you've had your lambs now and they're doing well. How do you now turn to look after your ewes post lambing? What are some of the things you need to be aware of and what can go wrong, I suppose? So let's have a, a bit of a look at this. But just generally, the highest nutrient demand that a ewe actually faces is, in, is during lactation. They actually need about three times more energy per day in early lactation. And we're thinking here the first sort of two to three, four weeks, really, that's, that's what we're talking about. So they're reaching their peak milk production around three to four weeks after lambing. So this is when we want to just really focus on their, as much as we can, nutritional demands. Now, obviously, they are going to lose some condition with the fact that they are milking and feeding. And the more, obviously, the more lambs they have to feed, the more condition they are likely to drop. But this should only be about half a condition score if possible. Go back, have a listen to the condition scoring podcast if you haven't had a look at that uh, or listened to that before as well. So, and of course... If the energy, the protein isn't there for the ewes, then the milk yield won't be there and then the lambs won't be growing as much as possible. And in terms of quantity, a a ewe who has got twin lambs, she's going to obviously have to produce an awful lot more milk, sometimes up to 40% more milk than a ewe that's nursing one lamb. So it's... um. It's quite a demand. I suppose the other thing that ewes need at this particular time to produce this milk is they need water, sometimes up to nine litres of water per day. That's actually quite a lot for a ewe. They, um, you might see them in some instances just not drinking at all or never drinking at all, but I can't believe how much they go through when I have ewes in sheds and things like that. They literally will, I see them drink 10 litres a day. It's just quite, quite amazing. Um, sometimes we need to obviously use more than grass, particularly in winter, to, to try and just supplement that particular feed. And then the other thing to be aware of, I suppose, with our ewes, if the nutritional demands are so high on the ewe, her immunity will have dropped. So what does that mean for us and for them? Well, what it means is that there is a high or higher likelihood that those ewes would also be impacted by anything else negative in the environment. So 
Uh, poor weather, for example. Um, elements, uh, worm and parasite burdens, for example. Orf or scabby mouth would be another. So there, there can be highly vulnerable to these particular elements. Pneumonia would be another one. Respiratory illnesses and so on. So this is where we really need to be thinking of, well, have I got my my licks out there? Have I got the nutritional feed up if I can as much as possible? So trying to supplementary feed if you need to, to, to help you or you deal with the, so the peak performance and peak lactation that she actually um, has to deal with at this particular time. Lambing here in, in Gippsland and Victoria in winter, we 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 really watch out for um, brown stomach worm and black scour worm. I think those are the right, black scour worm. So obviously black scour worm, what it's going to produce, it's going to produce scours. So this is where you might see a, a you with scours and that's probably telling you two things. One, the nutritional demands are not being met for that particular you. And two, the parasite burden is high and she probably needs a drench. So, and definitely better feed and perhaps a new paddock. So for me, one of the things I try to do, and it's not easy, I have to say, especially at the very end of winter to have grass every single day, but try and move those ewes. So try and move them uh, frequently. We, we're still trying to move ours twice a week. Uh, again, I, I know how difficult this actually is, um, but uh, I actually think there's lots of other benefits as well to moving those ewes as frequently as you can. It's going to be beneficial for the lamb, particularly when they start to eat grass. They'll have less worms ingested, if we're talking worms. And also, I think that moving the sheep keeps the foxes on their toes. So moving those sheep around paddocks, you know, the foxes get a bit confused and 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 might not be able to find those ewes as, as easily as they could if um, uh, if the, the ewes were in the same paddock. And, and obviously set stocking at this time of the year with that quantity of sheep that you've got on the ground is, is actually just a recipe for disaster. The other thing that might be worth just talking about would be prolapses as well. Now, prolapses are typically more common pre-lambing, but they can happen post-lambing uh, as well. And particularly they can happen within sort of 12 to 48 hours of, of lambing, of post-lambing. Now there's two types, there's vaginal and rectal prolapses. They both kind of look a bit similar. Um, a, and this is not going to sound very nice, but a red sort of tennis ball slash melon size of comes out. Yeah. Um, and often what happens is that the cervix has a little opening. So the cervix has sort of loosened. So you'll often find it in ewes that have, um, they're over fat, they've got pressure, they might have produced twins or triplets, and potentially their tail is very short. Yeah. I must do a podcast on tail length. Actually, we haven't done a podcast on that. Um, but tails that are short can be and I've noticed this myself with my tails on my sheep the ones that have the shorter tails which often is my my fault and the tails the bone the, the tail sort of shrinks over age so you might think it's um it's okay 
when you dock it. But then a couple of years later, you see that it gets shorter and shorter. Anyway, and if you look online and you look for, if you Google podcast images or prolapse images, you will actually see a lot of the images of sheep with prolapses have very short tails. So there's a correlation there. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll go into that in another detail because there's quite a lot of detail there that we could share with um, with with uh, with um, tails and, and talking about tails. So signs of prolapse um, again, particularly in the last month of pregnancy, you're you're going to see them just very uncomfortable straining, um, but you'll see it, and and often it comes in and out and in and out. Um, uh, it there there is. Um, potential genetic factor to prolapses as well which I know most of us don't want to to hear but they are it's highly repeatable and it it might be worth considering not breeding with that particular animal again some prolapses will if you haven't noticed them and they get really bad that there's nothing you can do for that particular you yeah, but often around lambing or, or post-lambing, we're seeing or watching our, la- our, our sheep a lot, lot more. Um, and we can see these things. Whereas, you know, if they're out in the paddock and we might not check on them twice a day or whatever it might be, the prolapse might get really bad and they, that animal might have to be euthanized. So if you do see a prolapse... Uh, you, you probably do need to act quite quickly because it can cause further trauma. And indeed, if it's out for very long, it can actually use to tissue use um, or lead to tissue damage, and that can actually again start to smell and be really nasty. And again, something that's not treatable, and it's just a cold decision or a euthanasia decision. So some suggestions with your prolapse would be clean it, antiseptic, disinfectant, if you need to. Um, just check to see if, if, if they haven't lambed, check to see if there's anything, obviously if the water bag has come out or anything's, anything's lambed. Um, then you might want to push it back in, which kind of sounds funny, but a lot of prolapses, when you, when you gently lift them in, it can actually push the prolapse back into the you. You can actually use a little halter, a little prolapse halter or a spoon that um, you can insert. I actually did one on my Instagram and you can have a look at that if you wanted to sort of see a spoon in action. And to, to be honest, uh, I would only use these if you absolutely have to. Like the, the time, one of the times I used a harness was when I had a you which was she was huge. She had three five kilo lambs inside her, all all coming backwards or breech, and she had a um, a bad prolapse. And uh, I used a halter, but I also penned her so she didn't have too much movement. The other thing that can cause prolapse is when you have sheep running in running for feed in a paddock running up or down hills in a paddock really really fast that can uh, that can also mean that they strain or push particularly in that final trimester so the paddock that you've got them in is worth thinking about if you are um you know if, if you are feeding and you might be feeding on hills and things like that 
antibiotic is um is is worth it as well to just to or, or even vitamin c which is probably would be my preference but vitamin c um my dad always recommends using sutures or stitches when when there's a prolapse i haven't tried this to be honest i don't have a, a suture kit which is something i need to get um but that could be something or in, or if you're not confident just get your vet to to come and help you um and and of course prevention is better than cure here so we want to prevent the 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 um the prolapse from happening either pre or post lambing look at the body score body condition score so you don't want them too fat um obviously you, if you preg scan then you'll know that they're carrying multiple lambs that will help you um think about um what what we can do perhaps to to get um, the right diet so that they're not too fat, for example. Um, they want adequate exercise, but not too much. And again, the other thing that can cause prolapse is low blood calcium. So again, that's a nutritional element or having your licks, for example, available for, for your lambs. Um, so those are probably the main things that, uh, but anything can impact your you because her her immunity is going to be impacted. So uh, the other thing I would be doing, uh, particularly coming close to weaning, I would be doing a fecal worm egg count. So, okay, ideal situations, you're moving your ewes, say twice a week, possibly even more, but twice a week. You're um, giving them adequate feed to keep their condition score up. And you're also creating a, 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 a sort of healthy environment with, paddocks that are ideally if you can worm free so all those things really really good and uh, and then thinking about doing a fecal worm egg count and then considering drenching at weaning drenching those ewes at weaning so the other care element to think about coming up to weaning would be if you have been adding additional feed when just before weaning you want to wean the ewe off that additional feed. Yeah, so she needs maximum good quality feed three to four weeks of that, you know, when the the lambs are three to four weeks old. Okay, that's the focus for her. Then the lamb's rumen will start to develop. Their need for milk will go down. Their need for grass will go up. But the ewe's need for food, because she's not lactating, her need for food will go down slightly. And this is when you can start, unfortunately, to get mastitis. <laughs> and then just when you thought it was all safe, there's always the mastitis in use. Now, I find mastitis can happen just after lambing or, at, again, at this sort of three to four week or towards the end of lactation close to weaning or just after weaning. Oh, hello. It can happen anytime, really, to be honest. And it's very, very frequent. And again, I found vitamin C to be a great tool for, for managing mastitis, but that's my experience, I have to say. Um, but you want her, that you, you, you want that you to be weaned when the lamb's taken off her, dried off on very little feet. So maybe just plain hay, low protein, low energy, this might only be for a week or two. And it's hard because those ewes are probably down in condition, 
but they often have the the whole spring or early summer to get back into condition. And that's what we want. So we want to wean at that sort of three month stage, ideally when the lambs are about three months. That means that the lambs also get put on nice fresh pasture with no additional um, worm carriers wandering around, aka ewes. And the, um, the lamb will have no competition for grass either. Now, one of the other things I've done at, at coming up to weaning, and I'll talk to you uh, perhaps again closer to weaning, is, uh, but it's something to consider, having an old matriarch with those lambs when you do wean. So there might be a couple of ewes that you've decided to sort of cull or, or remove, uh, not breed again, and you could keep those animals out there with those lambs, and they could still feed their lambs, but they're just a great little sort of almost nanny for the lambs. <laughs> Um, and it sort of pacifies the lambs a little bit. So I've, I used that last year and I thought it was a really, really good strategy as well. So in that instance, the other thing to look at would be in terms of making decisions with your ewes. So the care of the ewe is also to think about perhaps when you can looking at their teeth in the lambing stage or the la- late lactation stage, checking their udder, definitely at weaning, checking that ewe's udder and then making a decision. Are you going to move forward with this you next year or not? And what are you going to do um, to for, for whatever reason to move that you on if you're, if you're going to do that? And chances are that means not selling it because if it's a cull, it's a cull. Yeah, you, you can decide how you cull or what strategies you use to cull. Um, for me, uh, our, a lot of our cull use because our meat is so good regardless of the age of the animal not all breeds are like that but again all breeds have their own pros and cons but because the meat is still very high quality um i use my older sheep i save their back straps i have i have them processed basically i have them processed their meat goes into sausages diced and mince and i uh, i keep i save the back strap and the back strap basically just feeds us over summer <laughs> beautiful back strap salad so good uh, and the, f- the flavor, because it's a very mature you, the flavor is amazing. You still cook it very quickly and it's just melting your mouth. Um, so we, we just absolutely love that particular cut. And I find that, that that you get a lot of value for your backstrap and you don't, you know, you, you think about a backstrap from a, a lamb, for example, it's kind of a waste, I suppose. You don't get any of the chops at all and the backstrap might not even be that big, but from a ewe, it's really good. Like we could easily get a couple of dinners or meals out of one backstrap. Um, and, you know, I've often fed six or eight people on a, on a backstrap um, when, when people are over for lunch. So, but but that's the care of the you. The care of the you is actually making those difficult decisions that that you's life, a breeding life, is over, or let them retire in a, in a paddock or whatever it might be. But again, just bear in mind that you don't want them to be too long with your lambs because, unless they're drenched, because they could be worm carriers. Yeah, even though they might be highly highly immune to worms, they can still be worm carriers. So those are a few little things to think about in terms of the care of your you, how vulnerable they are and what you can do during lactation and towards the end of lactation to ensure that their health is well maintained and to ensure that they are hopefully ready for breeding for you in the next cycle 
and that you know their their udders are going to be functional their their teeth are um, are functional and all those little things just all those little one percenters uh, as well to, to sort of check and get right and care for our best asset which is our use Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sheep Show podcast. Please take a moment to share this episode via your podcast app, email, or social media channels. Each share helps us reach listeners just like you who can benefit from our sheep-focused content. Let me know how your sheep journey is going. Contact me via Instagram at Halston Valley Farm or via email jill at halstonvalleyfarm.com.au. Until next time, sheep well. Sheep well.